This is Joel Johnson, Senior Minister at Parkview Christian Church. I want to thank you for listening to our sermons online. If you have any questions, feel free to contact me by email at joeljohnson at parkviewfinley.org. So a, a couple of years ago, I received this uh, really nice piece of, of junk mail. It was from a car dealership, and uh, it, it said, <clears throat> you may have won a new car. And normally those go right in the trash. But as I, was, as I was reaching for the trash, I saw that there was a scratch off on the car. And I thought, ah, let's just have some fun. You remember like how fun it was as a kid to scratch off the, like, the, the fast food uh, tickets so you get like, a coupon or a free something. I'm like, oh, this will be fun. Let me just scratch. And so I started scratching and scratching. And it was like, uh, you can win money. You can win a car. It just depends on what matches. It's like, there's a car, there's a car, there's a car. I'm like, what? Oh, wait. I, I know this probably isn't real, but they all match. And they said, well, you have to be present to win. You know, you could be entered into a drawing. And so I talked to my wife, like, I know this probably isn't a thing, but I'm just going to go down and see just, just, just in case. So I go down to the car dealership. I say, Hey, I got this in the mail. I said, oh, great, great. Come on, come sit down. We want to talk to you. And so I sat down across the table from, from a guy. We started asking him my personal information, address, phone number, uh, all, all that good stuff. I said, well, I just have a question about, about this thing I got in the mail. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, he just kept running me through the running me through his routine. I said, "Well, hold on. I scratched this off. Does this mean anything?" And he said, "Well, let me just take that for you." And he threw it behind him in a pile of identical flyers. <laughs> and he said, "Well, well, you know, let me let me get more of your information. I'd like to take you out in the in the lot and show you some cars." I said, "No, th- no, thank you. I just had that one question. I'm not interested in buying a car." And I left. I still get mail from them. And because I gave them my information, I still get phone calls from them about wanting to trade in my car, if I you know, want, to, want to come look and purchase it. I'm like, no, I don't want to. I, I got duped by junk mail. I'm, I'm smarter than that. But no, I fell for it. I'd like to say it's the first time and the last time, but probably not. That, that's, that, that experience left me frustrated. <laughs> And a little angry, let me be honest. It's a waste of my time. And because I was deceived. Because, because what I thought was true wasn't true. And it made me think about how important it is for us with the truth of God's Word. To hold that truth in such a way that we don't leave people feeling like I did. You think about all, all of the... the misinformation that's present in our world today. All the ways that people have taken Scripture and twisted it for their own purposes. All of the, all the, the lies and deception and manipulation that surrounds faith. And we have a lot of people in the world who feel frustrated and angry. They, they, they feel this way toward God. They feel this way toward the church. They feel this way toward Christians. They, they hear the word, oh, I'm a Christian. Oh. That, that feeling is a, a genuine response to the way that truth has been manipulated. And as Christians, we have a responsibility to, to the truth of God's Word. We have a responsibility to, to honor that truth, to carry it with us, to proclaim it, and, and, and to retain its integrity in the way that we handle it, by not twisting it, by not changing it to fit what we want, by not, by not manipulating it to try and, try and get a response from people, but to, to honor it for, for what it is. Today, we, we turn back into the letters from John, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, and, and the topic is, is truth. 
And we've heard about from John, love, of the significance of, of love. We've, we've been reading his words that he was writing to Christians around him, uh, the warnings that, that he's been giving to them. Today, we're, we're reading more about those warnings of, of people who, who are mishandling truth, who are pulling uh, Christians away from the church. And John is, is writing not only to warn them of those, those dangerous people, deceivers, he calls them, he's also writing to encourage the Christians, to hold strongly to the truths that they, they are confident in from the Word of God, to, to stand on that foundation and not be swayed, not, not be pulled away from that foundation. John is writing from his concern for the church, his sense of responsibility to the believers who, who are in his charge and, and to the Word of God. We're going to begin reading in 1 John chapter 2, at verse 18. If you have a Bible and you want to turn with me, please do so. Uh, if you have a, U, uh, a phone or tablet, you want to use the Version app, you can open up the app, read, uh, uh, click on under events for Parkview Finley, and you'll find scripture and sermon notes in the Version app, and you can read along with us. The words will be on the screen as well if you want to follow along there. Here's, here, we're going to begin in verse 18, 1 John chapter 2. Dear children, this is the last hour. As you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come. This is how we know it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they did not really belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. But their going showed that none of them belonged to us. But you, you have an anointing from the Holy One, and all of you know the truth. I don't write to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it, and because no lie comes from the truth. Who's the liar? It is whoever denies that Jesus is the Christ. Such a person is the Antichrist, denying the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever acknowledges the Son has the Father also. As for you, see that what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. If it does, you will also remain in the Son and in the Father. And this is what he promised us, eternal life. I'm writing these things to you about those who are trying to lead you astray. As for you, the anointing you receive from him remains in you. And you do not need anyone to teach you, but as his anointing teaches you about all things, and as that anointing is real, not counterfeit, just as it is, it is taught you, remain in him. Now, if you remember back in the Gospels, Jesus also spoke about this topic, about deceivers, about uh, those who would come, some of them proclaiming to be the risen Messiah, some of them uh, false prophets pointing the wrong way, Jesus warned uh, his disciples about, about all, of, all of this misinformation. You know what he said in, in Matthew chapter 24? Don't believe him. You're, you're going to hear all these people telling lies, standing, pretending to be me. Don't believe it. You're going to hear people saying, oh, come and see. You won't believe. It's the Messiah. Don't, don't believe them. Jesus promised when, when he returns on the clouds, there'd be no doubt of who he is. Now we think back in history, there have been more than 40 people who have claimed to be the resurrected Messiah returned to earth. You think about that. 40 people, some of them within our lifetime, some of them uh, renowned enough that we recognize their names. Sun Myung Moon of the Unification Church, Jim Jones of the People's Temple, David Koresh of the Branch Davidian Ranch, developing cults around themselves, proclaiming lies. And, and, and what happened to them? They gathered a following of people. They, they influenced people. people. People wanted to, to, to hear what they had to say and wanted to commit their lives to, to a cause. And you think, well, how, how would people have believed that? But they did. And these cult leaders, 
Some of them use their power for their own selfish desires. Some of them mishandle funds, abuse their followers. Some of them call for their followers to end their lives all together. It's devastating. It's dangerous. It's significant. None of them have been the Messiah that they claim to be. None of them have been the true Antichrist that Scripture tells us is, is going to be present as the end comes, who Jesus will overthrow in power. But what John says is these people are among those who are denying Christ. And while they are not the man of lawlessness that will come at the end time, they are those who are anti-Christ. They are, they are among the many antichrists who are, who are opposed to the message of Jesus, who, who are denying who he is and living in a dangerous place in opposition to the word of God. What we read in John's letters echoes that same message from Jesus. You're going to hear these people telling lies. Don't believe them. Even if it sounds convincing, even if you're not you're really tempted to want to hear what they have to say. Don't believe. Remain in the truth. Remain connected to the source of truth. That's the answer. Remain focused on the truth of God's word, and you will have an anchor to help you navigate all of the misinformation, all the confusion, all of the doubt. But rest assured, know this. Those messages will be present. That misinformation will be a part of the world. You will hear these things and have to determine for yourself what's true. One of of the greatest threats that the church faces, maybe even more so than those who, who claim falsely to be the Messiah, one of the greatest threats the church faces is any message, whether it's true or untrue, that that we take hold of more enthusiastically than the gospel. Think about that. One of the most dangerous things that that the that faces the church today. Is a cause that we proclaim, a, 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 a group that we advocate for, so, something that we devote our life to, and we tell people, you, you've got you've to go buy this. You've got to be a part of this group. You've got to come support this great cause. And these things that are, some of them good, some of them not, any one of them that becomes the focus of our lives, that, that crowds out the gospel, and becomes the thing that we talk about in our conversations. That, that is the kind of message that's detrimental, that's dangerous, because it overshadows the gospel message in our lives. We live in an age of technology. Communication takes place in posts and tweets and comments and texts and captions and memes. Anything of value is said in 280 characters or less. In order for these messages to gain traction, they have to be potent messages, quotable capturing the attention, inspiring people to respond. And we've been inspired to stand for important causes. We've been, we've been inspired to, to rally against injustice. You think about all the things that have captured our attention, that have become the dominant part of our conversations over the course of the last couple of years. We've been talking about mandates and masks and vaccines and politics and presidents and rights and injustices. We have taken hold of these important things to argue about. They have become the dominant part of our conversations. They have become the, the reason that we associate with people or, or keep our distance from them. And I'm not saying none of them are, are valid. I'm not saying none of them are worth talking about. 
but they all share one thing in common. They have captured our attention and distracted us from proclaiming the truth about Jesus, of talking to people about their need for a Savior, talking about the love of God that can change the lives of people in this world. And instead of reminding people of how much their Savior loves them, we've been wrapped up in these arguments, fruitless, detrimental, yet captivating. Technology is a great thing when we use it for good, but it also can be a very detrimental thing. You think about the world we live in. Technology today has, has become one of the easiest ways to spread misinformation. We have access to, to libraries full of information on the Internet. We have instant access to people around the world. You would think that with all of that connectivity, we would be unified with a clear and unshakable truth but where do we find ourselves? In an age of technology where we don't trust the things that we read. We don't trust the things that we hear in the news. We see a post about something that, that should be a fact, and yet none of us are quite certain whether or not we can trust the information that we're reading. Instead of unifying us with consistent, reliable truth, we're now fractured by the amount of deceitful, manipulative lies that we've been exposed to. And because of this era of uncertainty, when it comes time for us to talk about the truth of God's word, instead of people saying, I want to know more about that, they're already prepared to doubt. They're already prepared to argue. They're already prepared to, to disregard what we have to say because they consider Scripture to be among those things that they can't trust. That's a dangerous place for us to be in the world and a potent reminder for us to prove through our lives the validity of the Word of God, to prove through our lives how meaningful the gospel message of Jesus Christ is, to prove through our actions, through our interactions, through our conversations, through our demonstrations of love, that not only do we believe this with all of our hearts, but we're willing to live our lives according to it. Integrity. And yet we, even us, find ourselves wondering and doubting and Worrying about all of the things that surround us. All of these bits of information. All of these little things that have become destructive to the church today. We have a, a strong foundation of truth to stand on. We have this foundation. What John reminds us of in his writing. We have we've been given not only this incredible resource. We're also guided by the Spirit of God anointed by his spirit. And as we read God's word, it, it, it validates to us what is true. We have heard, we believe, we've acted upon the word of God. And so based on that, we know that we need to live by God's word. We need to communicate the truth of God's word to the people all around us. We need to grow in our understanding of God's word. We need to spend time in the word of God. We need to teach others accurately from the word of God what it means 
And we need to guard against distraction. We need to guard against the twisting of Scripture, the misunderstandings that come. We need to to be careful not to incorrectly apply the truth that we find in the Word of God so that when we have conversations with people about God's Word, we can hold it high. We can remind them that it is unchangeable. We can remind them that throughout history, it has remained the most important, the most significant, the most life-changing truth. And we, each of us, not only have a decision to make about how we view the Word of God, we each of us also have a responsibility to the Word of God, to hold it high, to be careful with the way that we handle it. When we're together as a church, we have the benefit of leaders, elders, who oversee and protect the Word of God. And in the things that are taught in classrooms and the, the groups that meet together, uh, We have elders who are careful about curriculum, careful about teachers, making sure that the word of God is held high, making sure that we're not twisting that truth, making sure that the way that we apply it is accurate and and in line with all of what scripture teaches. But we also, every one of us, have to consider how we respond to God's word, how we handle God's word, how we talk about and teach God's word. We want to make sure that that we handle God's word accurately and appropriately, that we teach the content, evaluate the context, consider its original purpose, and apply its meaning accurately to life today. You'll notice in sermons that when, when it comes time for Scripture, we're not just taking a phrase, a few words together out of God's word and, and talking all about them and wrapping them up in story and, and clever uh, kinds of illustrations and twisting them around to mean whatever we want them to mean. We take, we take God's word from the context. We consider the sentence that we find it in. We consider the paragraph, the chapter, the book. We consider the author and the audience. We think about its original context, and we we take that truth and and find meaningful application in our lives. Why? Well, because we don't want to fall to the temptation of twisting Scripture to meet what we're facing in the world. We don't want to adapt Scripture to our circumstances. We want to adapt our circumstances to Scripture. We want to align our lives with the truth that we find there. And it's important for us to think clearly about how we do that. As we read God's Word, as we study from the Scripture, we have to decide how we will let it affect our lives. Especially when we read something in Scripture that strikes us. We, 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 we come across a passage that doesn't seem right. We have to decide what we're going to do with the words that we find in the Bible. What will we do when, when we read a story or read a verse in the Bible and we don't like it? I don't, I don't like what that says. I don't, I, don't know, I don't know that that is something that I want to agree with. We have a, we have a tough decision to make. And I, I will, I'll guarantee you, as you read through God's Word, there are going to be places in the Bible that you read and you think, that, that one's tough. I don't, I don't like reading that. And every one of us has to decide, what are we going to do in that moment? Are we going to just close our Bibles and set up? Okay, we'll just, I, I didn't like, that was uncomfortable, so I'm just going to walk away now. Are we going to let our feelings override that truth? Well, that was uncomfortable for me, so I'm just going to stick with what makes me comfortable. I'm just going to continue on, and maybe if I, if I think about it long enough, I can, I can rationalize how what I'm feeling really, really is better than what I'm reading. It's tempting, isn't it? 
Or are we going to actually read God's word and struggle through the meaning and, and allow the, the truth that we find there to shape us, to mold our lives according to its standard? Are we going to, to change so that we come into alignment with what we're reading? That's a tough question. It's not an easy thing to do. What, what are we going to do when we, when we read a passage in the Bible and, and what we read is out of line with what we already believe? Well, I've, I've been taught this truth. I've been taught <clears throat> from my childhood in the, in the particular church or denomination where I grew up because my parents believe this. This is what I believe. And then I read scripture and the words that I'm reading here tell me that what I believe is wrong. What, what do I do with that? It, it's tempting to, to, to disregard what, what the Bible says and remain in that place of comfort following the traditions that we've always done, walking in the same path we've always walked, doing the same habits that have been a part of our lives, believing the same things that we've grown up believing because that's what's comfortable. That's what, that's what makes me feel safe. When we allow God's word to challenge our beliefs, when we allow God's word to, to shape us and align us with the truth we find, it, it's a painful process. And yet it's what we're called to do to, to, as we responsibly handle the word of God. We open our lives up to it. We open our hearts up to it. We open our minds up to it and allow it to be the stamp that starts forming our lives into the image of Christ. But it certainly isn't easy. John was encouraging his readers to hold the truth of God's word, to live their lives according to it. And he continued. And this is the passage we use for our communion time, from 1 John chapter 3 the love of God that's lavished on us, that we're called children of God. Let's jump down to verse 7 as he continues in this, in this thought. Dear children, don't let anyone lead you astray. The one who does what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous. The one who does what is sinful is of the devil because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. No one who is born of God will continue to sin because God's seed remains in them. They cannot go on sinning because they have been born of God. This is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not God's child, nor is anyone who does not love their brother or sister. And so while John is proclaiming the truth of our, our place in God's family, of his love expressed to us, he's also encouraging, he's also warning don't be led astray. Don't let anyone lead you astray. But recognize those who belong to the Lord by the fruit of their lives. And it's important for us as we think about what's true, as we, as we decide who we're going to allow to influence us, as we're going to, to think about the voices that we allow to teach us and instruct us, we have to, be, we have to guard our input carefully. We have to be very protective of the voices that we allow to teach us and instruct us and inform us. And we have to make sure that those voices are in line with the Word of God. We need to be selective. We need to use discernment, the kinds of people that we listen to and the kinds of teaching that we allow into our hearts. When I was in school, I was part of the orchestra. We had a full orchestra in my high school. It was strings and brass and woodwinds, percussion, the whole deal. And every, every day as we started our, our orchestra period, uh, there was this box that they would flip on. Boop. And it would just, this tone, constant. 
And every, every student with an instrument would start to tune according to that tone. And, and it's an A. I don't think what I just did is an A. I'm not that good. But uh, the, the, the idea of the box was that it was the standard by which everybody would tune their instruments. And every stringed instrument has an A string. So when it's open, when you're not touching it, and you, you pluck it or, or play it, it's an A. And so everybody tunes their A string to that note, and they tune all the other strings on their instrument off of that standard. And so when, when we start to play a song together, everything is in harmony because it's all tuned according to the same standard. Think about what would happen if we came into orchestra and there was no, there was no note. Everybody just started tuning. Some students, who, one of my friends had perfect pitch. He could, he could just say, here's, here's a note, and, and play it or sing it, and it was right all the time. He would have his instrument in tune. Maybe another student would get lucky because they're so used to tuning the pegs. They know about where things should be. And they also would be in tune. There would be other students just guessing. Yeah, this is close. And they would tune their instrument. And, and the strings on their instrument would be in tune together. But when we all started to play, when all those instruments were, were sounding out together, what, what would it sound like to someone else in the room? It was just discord. This tension of all these notes that should have been the same, and yet they're all wrong. Have you, have you heard music that's out of tune? The way the sound waves vibrate against each other, it just, it feels wrong. We have a standard. A standard by which we are supposed to tune our hearts. It's the standard of God's word. And when we allow it to inform us, to to mold us and shape us, we're tuning our lives to, to God's word. And together, we're all using the same standard. Aligning our lives with truth. And when we come together, we're unified by that truth. We're unified by, by, by the message of the love and grace of God through Jesus Christ. We are in alignment. We're in harmony. And it feels right. And it is right. But the danger comes when we, each of us, decide to tune our lives on our own. And we ignore that standard. Or we just spend a long time away from that standard. We haven't been reading. We haven't been studying. And when we come together and we start having conversations, even together as a church family, because we've all been tuning our hearts to different things, sometimes those conversations are difficult. Sometimes there's tension. Sometimes there's conflict. And and that, that unity, that harmony that we're expecting, it's discord. It's chaos. It's tension. And we wonder, what? how do we resolve that? How do we come back together? How do we, how do we become this, this image of the body of Christ unified, declaring the message of the love and grace of Jesus Christ in the world around us? It's by, by tuning our hearts according to the same standard, of coming to alignment with the Word of God and together, feeling that sense of of unity and harmony because of the way we've allowed the Word of God to mold us and shape us according to its standard. If we're not careful, that's what happens even in the church. We have to be careful about the input that we allow into our lives. We have to be careful about the people that we listen to, even, even Christian leaders, even Christian teachers. It's, it's a very dangerous thing to trust the word of a person as they explain the, the Bible. Now, I, I recognize I'm telling you that it's dangerous for you to listen to me. 
but it is. If you are not opening your Bible for yourself and reading it, if you are simply trusting what I tell you about God's word, you're in a dangerous place. Every one of us bears responsibility to the truth of God's word. And I try. I, I work hard to investigate, to study, to live my life according to God's word so that when I stand before you and preach, what I say is an accurate reflection of what God's words are intended to be. But I am imperfect like you. And I know that I say things that are wrong sometimes. And I want you to know, as much as I love you and as much as I care about your spiritual growth and health, you need to fact check me. <laughs> you need to open your Bible for yourself and read what I'm reading and make sure that what I'm saying is in alignment with God's word every time you hear me speak. Not because I'm intentionally misleading you, but because each one of us bears that responsibility to the truth of God. And we owe it to one another to stand together united on the foundation of God's word. How do we know that God's word is true? What, can, what process can we use to make sure that the information we're hearing is true? Well, the, there are several tests that, that we can use in this process. And, and all of them begin with, with our own personal study and commitment to the Word of God. First test is to be aware of discord. To be aware of that feeling of tension when things aren't in alignment. Now, Feelings are dangerous. They can't be trusted. But they are a great warning to us to investigate, to find out for sure, to, to research. The Spirit will help you identify when, you, when something you hear is incompatible with the Word of God, with what you know to be true from the Word of God. Sometimes it's a feeling of tension. Sometimes it's, it's just this uncomfortable thing. Sometimes you walk away and go, that, that was a great message. I, I, I really appreciate what I heard. And yet, there, there's, there's just something that didn't sit right with me. Sometimes that's because you and I need to change when we hear a message. Sometimes it's because what we heard really isn't true. And we need, to, we need to evaluate those and identify them so that we can all grow together in our understanding of God's word. So be aware of that, that discord, that, that feeling that things are, are, are in tension or out of alignment. Second test. We need to measure everything we hear against the standard of God's word. We need, to, we need to dig through scripture. All the information we have in our Bible. We need to challenge what we're hearing against what the Bible says to be true. We need, we need to, to investigate deeply, to, to, to validate that, that what we're learning, what, the way we were living our lives, the changes we're considering are in alignment with scripture. Third test <laughs> comes through prayer. As we take those things that we're hearing and we go before the Lord and talk to him about them, we need to slow down and let, let all the things that we're hearing percolate, ruminate. Settle together before the Lord. 
Now, if you hear something that you like, that, that resonates in you, and you say, yes, that's true. I want to live my life according to that standard. You'll be passionate about that. You'll be, you'll be ready to, to, to talk about it, to, to, to make changes, to tell other people. But, but in order to know that it's true and right and meaningful, you've got to take time and investigate and evaluate and pray over that thing and allow God's spirit in you as you pray, as you, as you carry that before the Lord to help you understand it better, to help you make a, an informed decision about that so that you're not rushing into something that you're later going to regret. The fourth test is to evaluate the source of what you're hearing, to think about the person speaking to you and, and ask some very important questions in the same way that we would evaluate the context of Scripture when we read it. Where, where is this person getting their information? What bias is present. We all have a bias. We all have, we all have leanings. We all have allegiances. We're all biased when we talk, every one of us. What, what bias is present? I need to know what that is. What purpose drives them? What, what's, what's motivating this message? What beliefs do they adhere to? What, what denomination do they come from? What, what fruit is present in their lives? And throughout Scripture, this is a very significant test of, of Truth, the fruit that is produced by it, fruit of the Spirit, fruit that is produced by sin, the consequences that come. What fruit has blossomed and been produced? Is it shriveled and dried and decayed? Is it healthy and vibrant and pure? Is this person driven by the Spirit of God or are they driven by their own desires? Are they even a follower of Christ? These questions are important and valid. As we evaluate what we're hearing from other people, we run it through these tests. We, we measure it against the standard. We see if it is in alignment. And always, always, compare it to the standard of God's Word. It's an important thing for us to do. But in order for it to be effective, we have got to commit ourselves to the Word of God. We have to read it. We have to know it. We have to make it a part of our lives. It has to be a daily habit for us, reading God's Word and allowing it to, to filter into our hearts, of molding and shaping our lives according to that daily habit of spending time in God's word. If we don't have that, that platform of information, we don't have that base to begin from, we have no way of accurately measuring information against the standard. If we have, if we have no, no familiarity with that standard, how can we measure information against it? We have to be intimately connected to the word of God, knowing it through and through. And we each have a responsibility to know that standard, to use discernment, filter information that we allow into our lives because what we hear will affect what we believe. What we believe will affect what we do. And what we do will affect the way we influence others. And we have a responsibility to the Word of God to carry it accurately and completely to the people in our lives who need to hear it most. We have responsibility. We're called on by God to carry his message of truth through our lives, through every aspect of who we are, declaring to the world the love of Jesus that they need. 
to influence others according to the truth of God's word. I'm going to wrap up with this last passage from 2 John, verses 7 through 11. I say this because many deceivers who do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh have gone out into the world. Any such person is the deceiver and the antichrist. Watch out that you do not lose what we have worked for, but that you may be rewarded fully. Anyone who runs ahead and does not continue in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever continues in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not take them into your house or welcome them. Anyone who welcomes them shares in their wicked work. Now, It's, it's tempting to want to say that the people have good intentions. And, and we want to think the best of people. But when it comes to the truth of God's word, this is a, this is a, a harsh warning for us. That when we mishandle God's word, when we align our lives with falsehood, and we begin to, to draw other people toward misinformation, John tells us this is wicked work. This is wickedness, deceiving, pulling people astray, drawing them away from the truth of God's word is compared to wickedness. And, and in order for us to, to live in the truth of, of God's word, to, to be driven by his love, to, to share that love in the world around us, we have to not only avoid that, but we have to devote ourselves ardently, adamantly, Commit ourselves to the eternal significance of the truth of the word of God. To stay in step with his spirit. To not get excited about something that we hear and run ahead of the message and then realize, oh, I, I think I've said things that aren't true, but to slow down and to, to contemplate. Allow God to lead us and guide us. Allow his spirit room to work in us, to guide us to the people who we need to talk to and to deliver to them this genuine, authentic, meaningful, life-changing message of the love and grace of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the truth of your word. We thank you for the way that it shapes us and molds us. We thank you for how much you love us. And God, we pray that you would continue to lead us, that you would continue to shape us and mold us, that we would tune our hearts to your word, and that we would proclaim that message of truth in the world around us. God, we thank you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.